Hello and welcome, dear listener, to Swinging Through Spider-Man, a limited series podcast where we take a closer look at all the big screen adaptations of our favourite wall crawler, the amazing, the spectacular, the ultimate Spider-Man. I'm Tom Percival, an editor and journalist for Unilad, BBC film critic, and a lifelong Spider-Man fan. Joining me on this journey through the Spider-Verse is my co-host, the Peter A. Parker, to my Peter B. Parker, the esteemed Cameron Fro. How are you, Cameron? I'm not bad, Tom. How are you? I'm not bad. Would you like to start by introducing yourself, giving us your spider credentials, as it were? My spider credentials are, I have been a fan of Spider-Man since I was an infant. Um, whilst I am not going to pretend that I'm a huge comics aficionado, i um, been a lifelong fan of the movies, even the ones which I probably don't like deep down, I still hold affection for. And yeah, absolutely love them, love the games, love the movies, love the TV shows. Love it all. So you mentioned there that you've you've liked Spider-Man since since you were younger. Uh, my first exposure to him was two things. It was the animated series back in the nineties, and my friend Neil. And I think this is where we're a little different. My friend Neil had a cardboard box that was absolutely massive, full of Spider-Man comics, and that's where my love of the the, the comic stuff comes from. Did you watch the cartoon when you were growing up? See, I did. I did. Um, but that isn't where that isn't where my memories of Spider-Man, or at least my my first initial memories of Spider-Man, come from. That comes from the Sam Raimi, the first movie, because I was born in nineteen ninety seven. That came out in two thousand two, so I was five years old when that came out. So that was such like a massive big screen event for me to go and see, and yeah, it probably kickstarted my absolute obsession with with Spider-Man and then I would go on to watch uh, more of the TV shows and stuff at the time I had a one of those Spider-Man cartoon straight to DVD things Spider-Man versus Daredevil or something like that which I used to rewatch and Spider-Man versus Venom all that you've just given me flashbacks to I remember the DVD VHS cover it was always Spider-Man on one side and whoever the guest star was on the yep. other on the opposite side exactly it's funny you, you know I despise the character of Venom like, with, you know, a red-hot intensity, some would say. He's a great character, you're wrong! <laughs> no, I, I am slightly wrong, but it's it's interesting you say, the um, you know, the cartoon and revisiting that stuff, because it was the cartoon Venom that properly hooked me into this growing up. Uh, I don't remember if you know the if you how how much you remember from the cartoon but there was it's the, the episode that introduced him started with spider-man back in his red and blues and he's on the roof of this building fighting shocker and rhino or someone naff like that and you get the jump on him and he gets knocked into some rubble but then you don't see venom you just see this black figure land on the roof and you hear like <laughs> all these noises and <laughs> spider-man bursts <laughs> Spider-Man bursts through the rubble and he looks up and it's, it's Shocker and Rhino trapped in a web. And he, I mean, great, great dialogue from the 1990s. I didn't spin that web. And he turns around and it's, it's Eddie Brock there. But that's sort of the, the foundational, the keystone memory for me in Spider-Man. Uh, you mentioned to yourself that it was seeing Spider-Man, Sam Raimi Spider-Man in the cinema. Can you talk us through that experience a little bit? Um, okay, so... Uh, going to see that in cinema 
Now this is a really interesting relationship I have with it because while I do remember going to see it in the cinema, obviously it was one of the big first movies that was a 12A, that was the, the whole reason for it being instituted and the, my real sort of affection and the biggest fond memory I have from Spider-Man 2002 was when I got it for Christmas, the two disc special edition which you could probably pick up for 50p in CEX right now um, but for me at the time it was like obviously such a mega Christmas gift spent my days re-watching Spider-Man uh, being obsessed with Spider-Man wanting to have have the music in my ears from Spider-Man at all times wanting to be Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man yeah I, was, I loved Green Goblin I, I, as like an infant film viewer I just thought he was like the coolest uh, villain ever I'd seen in a movie um, at the age of five. Um, mainly just because I, I, I know his costume is up for some debate, which we will get to at one point. Um, I thought it was really, really cool, basically. That's that's the crux of it. I thought it was really stylish. And I'm not going to overestimate the nuances of my criticism at five years old. Um, I just... It, it blew my my socks off, basically. Um, it was like my first big experience of watching a superhero movie. and uh, it did much the same for me. I think if I think I was 12, maybe 13, which tells you our age difference. Yeah, I actually, I remember Spider-Man was coming out in the cinemas and my dad said he was going to take me to the pictures that night to see Spider-Man. And I went into school and I was like, guys, I'm going to see Spider-Man tonight. And this dickhead whose name is that yeah, how you basically. said it <laughs> <laughs> and basically this guys <laughs> just let me just let you tell you a thing or two. whatever you're doing tonight i'm seeing fucking spider-man um anyway uh, but this dickhead was like no you're not because it's not out yet and i was like yeah it is my dad's not a liar my dad was a liar and wasn't out for another month he'd uh he'd misread the poster oh no i was heartbroken but, and I still don't really know how we did this, before I saw it in the cinema, and I'm not saying anyone should do this, he came home one day with it on DVD. And it wasn't out in cinemas, and he just had it on DVD. Ah, the classic yeah. old pirate DVDs. Yeah, and I mean, so, so I first watched it with, you know, like a guy getting up halfway through to go to the, to go to the loo, blocking the screen. But like you say, I, I remember thinking, this is insane. Like, you know, we've spoken about the cartoon. This is, it's like real life. How, how, how have they done this? And yeah, I think there is something about, because obviously we'd had superhero films before. We'd had X-Men at that point, Blade and Batman. And even before that, Superman. But I don't know, Spider-Man moves in such a unique way and he has such like a unique power set. I, didn't, I, I never really thought it could be brought to the big screen for some reason, even at that young age. It just seemed impossible. The idea mm. that you could ever get someone web swinging and make it look realistic. Um, I do. I want to touch briefly on because you know we've established we're both reasonably well acquainted with the cinematic oeuvre of the Walker. Mm. Uh, your knowledge of the comic books. Uh, okay, so my, I would say I'm not going to pretend that I'm well versed. It's more just an awareness mm. of so much stuff that's ha uh, that's happened in uh, Spider-Man comics just from watching the movies and being interested in the character of Spider-Man and reading up on stuff online rather than reading a lot of the comics themselves. Um, like, for example, something as trivial as having a knowledge of Carnage without him having been in a movie and stuff like that, uh, or playing uh, Spider-Man games on PS1 like Spider-Man 2, uh, Enter Electro and stuff like that having awareness of some obscure storylines like an amazing spider-man 2 when uh, spo spoilers gwen 
uh, passing. I, I knew that was from a famous like a famous storyline in, in the comic book. And when Mary Jane gets killed by Peter Parker's radioactive spunk and another yeah, storyline. <laughs> right, right. That is an alternate dimension and we do not talk about Spider-Man Reign. Uh, the, the point I'm making is I just have an awareness just from being so interested in the character and I think that's a testament to what Spider-Man has done for a, multiple generations of people. He clearly speaks to not just the kind of boy or teenager he's meant to represent, which is, I'm sure, something that myself can probably relate to, you can maybe relate to, it. a lot of people can relate to. He's just so likeable and so relatable, even for pe- someone that people may know who reminds them of Peter Parker or, indeed, Miles Morales. Um, yeah, that is that's like the power of Spider-Man. It makes I don't really know anyone who doesn't like Spider-Man is the crux of it. Well, you've, you've sort of led me on to my next question because, like, I'm a, a well, I'm a you know I'm a huge comics fan of like a sp- particularly Spider-Man. I think I've got the majority of the of Amazing Spider-Man. I've got at least a couple of hundred issues now. Um, but one of the things that I do find fascinating is because, in theory, Batman should be my favorite superhero uh, because he was the first. Uh, it was the first superhero film I ever saw. Uh, the Batman the animated series was there before um, the animated Spider-Man series. But I think you're right. There's something about Peter Parker and Spider-Man that is, and Miles Morales, of course, that is universal. And it comes down, in my mind, to two things. Uh, First of all, uh, and this one's the more obvious one, is the costume. Yeah. It's completely body. It completely covers his body. You... You know, it's the it's the Master Chief argument, you know, the first-person shooter argument. You don't need to see the face because you're the face, yep. if that makes sense. Uh, so anyone, to quote Spider-Verse, anyone can wear the mask. Anyone can be Spider-Man. And I think that that does have a power that we're maybe not consciously aware of, that the idea of this character who whose identity is so obscured you could be Peter. You could be Spider. Yeah, I think. Oh, it's, that, that's actually a really good point. Like even from um, like Halloween parties and stuff when you're younger. As much as Batman and Superman are uh, immensely, immensely popular superhero characters, um, you, I would be confident enough in saying that more people dressed up as Spider-Man because anyone, whether they're conscious of it or not, anyone can feel comfortable becoming Spider-Man because it's a full suit. Anyone can feel like that hero and but encompassed in that suit it's interesting isn't it because like the idea of wearing something that completely covers you as well it is a freeing thing and we'll we'll touch on this a little later and the difference between the peter park peter parker and the spider-man personality but there is something i don't know it gives you more confidence when you you know no one knows who you really are basically but the second reason why i think that um, spider-man has endured all these years is because, and we can argue about, you know, depending on the film, how, what age he is, he's always young, on the young side of things. He's always in a transitional period in his life. And unlike someone like Batman, who's a billionaire, you know, we can argue till we're blue in the face about his tortured psyche, or Superman, who, you know, he's he's in a similar situation. They're both adults, in the, the, and their lives are very much set and firm. And I think we see that in the way they are, the Superman and Batman are, portrayed on the big screen and in comics they're reassured you know confident spider-man's the complete opposite he is a young guy he's a in the comics at least a nerd not really got much going on in his life and i think people can relate to that a lot more than they can a billionaire or an orphan from an alien planet and i say again the you know we'll talk and we'll touch on miles a bit more 
when we talk about Spider-Verse, but I think Miles is very much the same. I think he speaks to a certain experience that neither me or you can particularly talk about. Yeah, no, absolutely, no. But I, I think that I think that's a key component in a Spider-Man. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I, having grown up with all the different Spider-Mans, of course, watching all the different Spider-Mans, as much as... Uh, they are quite often different on screen. I mean, there's very, very clear differences between Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and um, Tom Holland's Peter Parker's, um, and indeed um, Spider Verse Peter Parker, who the voice actor just completely left my brain. He's Nick from New Girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick from New Girl. And um, what's his real name? Jake. Someone. Jake Jill. No, not Jake Jill. No. <laughs> That's mysterious. <laughs> Uh, Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson. There we go. Yeah. Uh, there's very, very clear differences. However, they all speak to the same conflict or relationship between the Spider-Man and Peter Parker. So, in this series, we're gonna we're gonna go through all the big screen adaptations of Spider-Man, um, from Sam Raimi's original to uh, Far From Home, which is the last one. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I always get confused about Spider Verse and Far. Yeah, from no, home far, yeah, no, far, far from home is is the last one. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you some questions before we rewatch any of them, Hit and then we'll, re- we'll, we'll revisit these once we've rewatched them. Excellent. Let's do it. Right. So, what's your favorite of the Spider-Man films? Easy, Spider-Man Two. Go. Why? Uh, oh no, I should clarify. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and not Mark Webb's The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Are you sure? Because we've both been in denial about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, no. At this point, I am very comfortable saying absolutely fucking not. Um, (laughs) However, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man 2 is not only my favourite Spider-Man movie, it's my favourite superhero movie of all time. Um, mainly because it just hit me at the exact right time in my life. It was 2004 that came out. So I had the euphoria of 2002 Spider-Man still very fresh in my childhood, childlike brain. Um, so when Spider-Man 2 came out, it was a massive event for me and my family to go and see. Obviously, I was extraordinarily excited. Um, we went to see it when we were on holiday in Wales, if I remember correctly. And yeah, I, we went to Toys R Us shortly after seeing the movie and I got one of those like uh claws that's essentially like a a thing that picks up rubbish but a toy oh, yeah. <laughs> with, <laughs> with uh, Dr. Octopus's um ten- tentacles I really, um, wish, I really wish you'd said it was Alfred Molina's head on um yeah I mean that it's, it's definitely my favorite it's just got everything more like in it yeah. see I, I I probably agree with you or at least I would have about a year ago, because Far From Home pips it for me. Um, Interesting. Just, just ever so slightly. And it boils down to an entirely a question we'll get to later, but the villain. I As much as I love Alfred Molina mm-hmm. and Sam Raimi's direction, I think it's, it's very, very melodramatic. And I like it. I really mm-hmm. do. But there's something about Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio that just elevates Far From Home for me. I mean, I, I love Tom Holland, but... Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Mysterio is my favourite Spider-Man villain, mainly because of the design. It is just so absurd. Yeah, I mean, I I love Mysterio as well. He was in. He was also in Spider-Man Two, 
uh, PS2 game based on the yes, movie. Yes, he was. Uh, and that was like one of my big experiences growing up with Mysterio, thinking he is cool. That he costume had... is amazing. In the amazing, sorry, in the in the Spider-Man Two video game, he has a fantastic introduction when you meet him and his health goes up and up and up yeah. and up, and then you hit him once and he just dies in one punch. Yeah. Um, I, I and I am willing to concede that that's why I'm very much looking forward to rewatching all of these Spider-Man movies because. I know Spider- my love for Spider-Man 2 as much as I genuinely think, from a critical standpoint, that it's an excellent movie, has a massive degree of um, childhood bias and the effect it had on me at the time. So, Yeah, I mean, it might be that it is just because Far From Home is the last Spider-Man film I watched, though it's you know a little bit fresher in my mind. You are right that Spider-Man 2 stands out as... I hate to say the dark night of spider-man films but it is basically isn't it if you ask most people what's your favorite spider-man film 99 percent of people i think are going to say spider sam raimi spider-man too yeah i mean I, I, i'm not going to uh, you know what i can't believe i'm about to say this it does track similar themes and stuff to the dark knight trilogy albeit incredibly watered down and much lighter the first one's an origin story and shows the path of how uh, peter parker is going to have to wrestle with being a hero and the people he loves the second one is um all about him still wrestling with the idea of being a hero um and the third one has a lot of aspects of redemption in it when he gets uh, too out of hand with his powers so see i, I thought you were gonna say in the third one's shite <laughs> <laughs> i i, I love the dark knight rises you aren't gonna drag me into that pit with you i know oh i see what you did there yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not i'm not gonna defend the dark knight rises i hate that film um God. Okay, who's your favourite on-screen Spider-Man? No. Now, don't preempt the next question, which may be your favourite Peter Parker. Okay. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. My favourite Spider-Man oh, is Tom Holland. Okay. Why? Um, I just think he has got the patter down like the, the banter um he is the most teenager teenage like of of all the on-screen spider-mans uh, as much as andrew garfield is supposed to probably in the same stage of his of tom holland's life and the, at least the amazing spider-man one um i just i i like i just like his parlance <laughs> that's the correct the correct word i know i just he's got all the movements down obviously tom holland's very acrobatic as well so um yeah he just kind of represents the best ideal of spider-man in action in my head i think i think uh, i agree with you i think tom holland's spider-man it's, he's had the most films so maybe it's a bit unfair to compare him with toby Maguire and andrew garfield but i think he is uh, he, he, his Spider-Man, like you say, the, the the banter's there, the awkwardness is there, the inexperience is there. He feels like the most well-rounded of the Spider-Man. The only thing I'll say is, and I don't have many good things to say about The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but that opening sequence in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, when Spider-Man is taking the mick out of the person who will go on to be the rhino i cannot remember his name yeah uh, i i really enjoyed that because that felt very much like comic spider-man someone like who really does take the piss out of the people the low-life criminals he's he's fighting i do enjoy that but i think i think tom holland spider-man edges that and leading into the next question of who's your favorite peter parker for me again it's tom holland i think 
I don't know. He just nails it. Like, he... Obviously, he's in his 20s, but he just plays nerdy teenager so well. Like, I... Uh, you know, how long was it going to be before I've mentioned the fact that I have met Tom Holland twice? Close personal friend. Close personal friend of mine, Tom Holland. Recognize me the second time. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, he isn't like he isn't that awkward in real life. I, I know that's just acting, but he just he just makes Spider Man so sorry Peter Parker so earnest and likable, and it reminds me of so many people I knew growing up, and I'm probably a little bit even of myself growing up. Okay, my favorite Peter Parker is Toby Maguire. You mean you're wrong. <laughs> Please explain, but, we will, but we'll get into this. Right, okay, so, I mean, my view of Peter Parker, it's not, like, different to yours in any way, but Toby Maguire plays a dweeb really well. Um, <laughs> he does. Uh, he doesn't have, as much as I love his Spider-Man, he doesn't have the natural comic ability or the the natural jokiness which tom holland is very very good at especially in his first introduction in civil war are you, are you telling me that classic lines like <laughs> you're right got the only thing you're out you're out of is your mind <laughs> <laughs> yeah. isn't you know some a-grade banter um listen listen <laughs> i i especially in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, I really, really like Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, um, mainly because he has a lot of thematic material to, to dig into, especially with um, Uncle Ben's passing. Spoiler, not really. Um, and yeah, he just, he has pure awkwardness of a high school teenager locked down. Like, he has no problems with that at all. I do not doubt that he really has pro- he is unpopular in school um he's a science nut and all that that sort of aspect of the character so it's my and it's not a problem i have with tom holland as peter parker because he is second in my in my mind easily um but the dichotomy between andrew garfield's peter parker who is far too cool would never believe he's unpopular he is very good looking he skateboards around the place he is he is a cool guy and yet he's inexplicably bullied (laughs) Um, (laughs) when he would be a stud in school whereas um toby Maguire, um not say he's a bad looking guy or anything like that but he he was part of leonardo dicaprio's pussy posse Oh, yep. <laughs> um, we'll see if that stays in. <laughs> um, Tom McGuire is he he is sketched far more accurately to the character of Peter Parker, in my opinion. I think it's uh, and again, I think part of what the difference is that Sam Raimi is a he is he is a nut for a very particular type of Spider-Man, uh, particularly Steve Ditko's initial thirty-two issues, um, where. Peter Parker's awkwardness verged on the border of, anti- of an antisocial personality disorder, to be completely honest. Like, there's one issue when he's walking past some people, some uh, people protesting the Vietnam War, and he genuinely thinks to himself, damn hippies. Um, <laughs> Steve Ditko was a, yeah, pretty weird guy, uh, to be completely honest. And he wanted Peter Parker to be a very specific type of person. And I think that what Raimi's done is he's really captured that awkwardness especially in that first film, really, really well. And Maguire's obviously 
you know, it's it's had an impact on you. Yeah, I mean, it, ju- it just really stayed with it, and then obviously it's developed very, very well in um, Spider-Man Two and his like relationship with MJ, and yeah, um, and then even in Spider-Man Three, despite its many flaws, um, his dweebiness, I suppose. Uh, starts to erode into cockiness and arrogance and his Peter Parker life, which I really like the the journey his Peter Parker goes on in that in that respect. So yeah, I think that's probably why it stayed with me. I do think there's a degree that, and you know, I'm not saying people don't get bullied anymore because obviously they do, but the things that people traditionally got picked on are now cool in a lot of ways. Oh, they are, like, absolutely, yeah. Like ha- having an interest in science isn't something people are going to be like lol what a loser yeah you know the society has changed from them which is probably why tom holland's character who is still quite dweeby but he's not you never really get the the i'm never really i've never really thought that the bullying from flash thompson is anything more than just you know sparbed jokes more than anything maybe i'm maybe i'm forgiving flash a bit there but yeah like you say Andrew Garfield, they swung it so far the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, he's, Andrew Garfield's a very, very likable actor, and his Spider-Man is very, very good. Um, but I just don't believe, I just do not believe his Peter Parker as the Peter Parker he is supposed to be. Uh, he, he's, even his style is, like, so in that I'm like, what? Yeah. You, you are one of the coolest people I've ever seen, yet you are meant to be the outlier, the outsider who has a tough time in school with all these uh, much more popular more, much more popular people. Um, yeah, it's just, it's mildly to moderately ridiculous to me that he is supposed to be the Peter Parker we are um, we are more aware of. Uh, and who's your favourite movie villain? <laughs> okay, my favourite movie villain... Um, the Spider-Man movies as Paul J. Matty's right now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <on>. um, <laughs> um, probably Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus. One, he's a fantastic actor and his performance in Spider-Man 2 is, is genuinely sublime. Um, three, whilst he is evil for portions of the, the storyline and he has the sort of caricaturist aspects which a Spider-Man villain needs sometimes to make um to make their conflicts interesting and entertaining in the way we would hope uh he's got quite it's quite a nuanced character towards the end especially when he's like the conflict with his tentacles and stuff like that but i'm not going to go into that too much and again just the childhood bias aspect he i i remember thinking the special effects and stuff behind dr octopus were unbelievable and finding him really effective. I mean, the train scene alone. The train scene is probably why he's my favourite villain, um, because the train scene is incredible. If I'm eliminating my childhood bias yeah. from it, uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture would probably come second. Yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's it's very close. Mysterio just pips it, particularly because that sequence uh, towards the middle of Far From Home when it's revealed, spoilers, that Mysterio is a bad guy yeah. and we get a full-on Doctor Strange-esque holographic trip through some pretty horrific imagery like the you know the resurrected Iron Man, the giant spiders, all that stuff. Yeah. That sequence for me is why I... I mean, I've, as I've already said, the aesthetic of Mysterio, I love it. But that sequence is comparable with the train sequence in some regards for me. But yeah, I think you are right. I think Michael, you, you can't really talk about the villains in Spider-Man without saying Michael Keaton's Vulture because the reveal that he is Liz's dad 
yeah. alone is just... My jaw literally dropped in the yeah. cinema. It, yeah, from that moment so... until they go into the high school for the prom, let's bet the car ride. The car ride is one of the best uh, scenes in a Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Because I, I'm not going to try and... I hate people when they say... Uh, when they reference that scene and say it was like a classic drama, cl- classic thriller. Because it, it's, Spider-Man movies are not below any other no. movie. Um, and that scene is just a very well done moment of said movie uh, however like the lighting in it is absolutely perfect the dialogue is is pitch perfect as well and just the tension absolute tension i can't remember going to the cinema to see a spider-man movie and feeling that level of like gut-wrenching like oh my god this is so it's, horrendously suspenseful it, it's just when tombs turns around and goes good old spider-man yeah and then the green light the green light goes yep. on and it's like ding um Oh man, no, it's pe- it's it's amazing. He he is fantastic, and again, he as much as he is a villain, he's not a straight up Green Goblin esque uh, lunatic gone gone mad. Um, he has compelling reasons to be uh, vulture, and even his relationship with Peter Parker isn't isn't necessarily of one of hate or or, or loathsome. He 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 wants him to just leave him alone, basically. It is something that I do like about the late, um, the Tom Holland Spider-Man films. The villains feel that they, they, there's no real animosity to Peter. He's just in the way. Like, you get the feeling that once Mysterio got the glasses from him, he would have been quite happy for Peter to just go on that Euro- European trip and just stay out of his way. Yeah. Like, it's, it's something that I think, especially... I know the Amazing Spider-Man films are always maligned, but I think it's something they really got wrong the villains um yeah i don't know I, spider-man was far too central to them like spider-man you know was involved in he helped dr connor's create the serum and Electra was obsessed with spider-man beforehand and it just feels really trite and um yeah like, it just, just doesn't work for me well yeah it's like you said there's a reason we don't really ever reference the villains in spider-man 2 unless we're taking the piss or mm. or criticizing um whereas the villains apart from spider-man 3 sam raimi um is Venom specifically, but I, I would dare to make a comparison between Spider-Man Three Sandman and Michael Keaton's Vulture is relatively similar. They have their own agendas, they have their own reasons for being, and Spider-Man is simply in the way. Yeah. Um, and but uh, and they both have personal connections to each Peter Parker. Um, and they're both very effective. I do think Thomas Jane's Sp- Sandman is the bright spot in. Um, Spider-Man three should should have just been Sandman, like just uh, eliminate Venom, and that would have been that could probably be a, a much better movie. Well, uh, Raimi originally just wanted Sandman as well. Yeah. Like he had no plans for Venom, but the studio essentially said, "No, Venom's popular. Put him in. Uh, mm. People will go see it," and they did. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite supporting cast? Just like general as an ensemble. Yeah, but... I mean, yeah, I mean, like because. I think a key component of Spider-Man, far more than other superheroes, is the people around him. And I think the films, to my mind, have been... There's, there's varying degrees of success. I think that... And as much I love the Raimi films. I think the standout there is J. Jonah Jameson. Everyone else is pretty forgettable. Uh, Harry Osborn, of course. And uh, Kristen, uh, Kristen Stewart? No. Uh, Kristen Dunst are both great. But I, ne- I don't know. I never really think about them when I'm watching it. I never think that, God, 
wasn't Green Goblin 2 a great character? Or MJ has some really nice moments in the Spider-Man and uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy because they don't. If I'm being honest. Yeah. Um. No, that's interesting. I I would actually agree with that. Uh. That Sam Raimi's supporting cast are quite forgettable. As much as that, I mean, MJ and Peter is always going to have like a soft spot in my heart, especially in the first one when they sort of share the upside down kiss and all that sort of stuff. Um. All very iconic moments, but I, yeah, I don't really remember this, the supporting cast, and mainly because they're tarnished a little bit from Spider-Man 3. They're dealt quite a raw deal in yeah. Spider-Man 3, whether it's MJ thinking the crowd's clapping for her when she walks out the theatre when they're facing the street because clearly Spider-Man's swinging by, or Harry Osborn's descent into a pantomime villain. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, w- winking in the cafe. Um... Yeah, all that stuff, yeah, so I think that's probably tarnished a little bit, although the Amazing Spider-Man supporting cast isn't that great, apart from Emma Stone, who's phenomenal in both movies. I, I, you know what, I really, really like the relationship between Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker, and I know it helps Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone with dating, and they're both very talented actors. I, I kind of remember more about Gwen in those films, but I think that's because she dies, uh, yeah. I, I think that's sort of why it's etched in my memory a little more because you think, oh, this is so nice. I like what they've got. They're going to go to Oxford together. No, they're not. Um, yeah. um, I'd probably say, honestly, the Spider-Man Homecoming supporting cast and at least the Tom Holland Universal mm-hmm. Spider-Man, I would say they have the strongest supporting cast. Um, as much as I much prefer older Aunt May compared to Marissa Tomei's um, Aunt May, um, she's still very very likable and affable uh, and a warm character obviously you have tony stark yep uh, in the midst of um homecoming and and well not necessarily far from home jo- john favreau uh, zendaya um i forget the actor who plays ned but you have ned who's obviously immensely lovable and just a whole host of other really fantastic comic actors it, um it, yeah it's said a lot that you know um homecoming and far from home are teen comedies before their superhero films and i think a lot of that does come down to how strong the supporting cast are because you you know you mentioned marissa tomei there but she wasn't even the unhappy hogan john favreau and robert downey jr they weren't even the first people who came to mind for me when i was thinking about that i was thinking of ned and zendaya as mj you know i I think that's testimony uh, a testament to how memorable and likable that cast actually is and we will touch on Infinity War and Endgame in this podcast, but that moment at the end of Endgame when Peter gets, sees Ned in the corridor and he goes up to him and he hugs him, so emotional. Oh. Like, I, I, because that that again just links completely back to what we we're saying at the beginning. How Peter Parker represents a sort of teenager. Um, we, whether us specifically or a lot of the world, our teenagers across the world can relate to that moment between Peter Parker and his best friend, it's just, a, a, you you can place yourself in his shoes in that moment of Peter, Peter Parker alone, not Spider-Man, Peter Parker, the boy, seeing his best friend who's always there for him at all times, um, again, after such, like, worldwide trauma. And, yeah, it just it speaks to not just the character of Spider-Man and Peter Parker and how he's represented, but also how strong the cast is, that we have so much affection and emotion for people that aren't the superhero in the movie. Uh, we'll come on to the final of these questions, and I think it's the biggest of them. <laughs> Favourite Spider-Man-related song? 
Why is it Nickelback Hero? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My favourite Spider-Man related song. Would you like me would you like me to um to handle yes, this one? <laughs> so obviously it's Nickelback Hero. No, um I see I when I was so for people for those who don't know me I am shit on music like I do not care about music I can't name bands I just don't I've never it's never been something that's interested me but something that I loved was the 2002 Spider-Man sorry not 2002 the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack when it was released Mm -hmm. with yellow card and all these like pop punk bands on there and I absolutely love that I love those songs like that um that particular CD and I do remember listening to Nickelback Hero when I was very young and thinking, wow, this is great. But I don't know what it is. I've always, I've always, whenever I've watched the Spider-Man films, the soundtrack has always been something that stuck with me. So when I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, Philip Phillips Gone Gone, um, I started playing that all the time. There is, even in Homecoming, even in this, the, the MCU uh, portion of the Spider-Man films, where I don't think the music is a key an element, I can still like this like the trailers started with um, our pop song, which I'm completely blanking on now. So there's something about pop music and Spider-Man, which I don't know. It's always been keyed into my brain. My favorite though is a particularly uh, crap one, and I am actually going to have to Google it because like, "Vindicated" by Dashboard Confessional. Is that which, Spider-Man too? Yeah, and yeah. it is the most emo song you've ever heard in your <laughs> life. It is. I listened to it the other day and it is painful in how agonized and tortured it is. But I don't know. It, it spoke to me at a very certain period of my life and it stayed with me for some reason. Now you've had a chance to have a look on Wikipedia or IMDb. Uh, do you have one? Um, obviously, it is People Get Up and Drive Your Funky Soul by James <laughs> Brown, uh, which <laughs> Peter Parker dances to in Spider-Man 3. Um no, uh, no, no. On it, right. Honestly, it probably is "Hero" by Nickelback, just because hearing that really does. It's like transports me back to an earlier time in my life where things were so simple, and hearing that song was just like a, a ballad for uh, for Spider Man. Um, I don't know how much I would listen to it now, as much as it is actually on my large mixed playlist. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite song, apart from, I mean, Sunflower. Yeah. And Spider Verse is, is is amazing, of course. And I mean, Spider Verse soundtrack in general is I, by far the, the strongest. If we're not talking about scores, because that's a completely different I, thing altogether. I, but, I completely um, agree. I mean, I've got the playlist up for the the Spider Man Two soundtrack that I like that I loved so much, <laughs> and I'm laughing at it now. Train, Huberstank, Jet, Yellow Card, Maroon Five, who I didn't realize were on it. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. Spider Verse's soundtrack, and not score, is. It's, it's incredible it's one of those things it's introduced me to a new world of music um i'm not very good on music and i, I wouldn't have chosen to listen to any of those artists but yeah after seeing spider-verse that all changed to be completely honest the amazing spider-man uh, mark webb's amazing spider-man i'm just having a look at the soundtrack list now it's lead single <laughs> was <laughs> was till kingdom come by coldplay and the soundtrack features such hits as Gone 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 by Philip Phillips. By Philip Phillips, <laughs> yep, the one I just referenced. <laughs> and um Oh god, I mean that's not a great it's not a great soundtrack whatsoever. Well, I mean the Amazing Spider-Man 2's lead single, It's On Again by Alicia Keys and Kendrick <laughs> Lamar. Um and of course the Amazing Spider-Man 2 
score famously features Hans Zimmer and Skrillex, I believe. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. And Fred Williams. For, and then Electro. So, did Hans Zimmer score Electro? He did. Um, yeah, the Electro that, Suite is a mixture of dubstep and Hans, Hans Zimmer, which I've seen live and it's absolutely superb when you hear it, but it's not your normal Hans Zimmer score by any sort of means. Did he play Incy Wincy Spider? Got. <laughs> what is it it's, it is something like that isn't it like i mean it was just it was one thing i, t- I remember taking away from the amazing spider-man 2 soundtrack it's just so loud like everything is loud 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 loudness loud loudness um because of the, the dubstep elements obviously it's just but i suppose i i suppose that that does work because of electro and it is supposed to represent that sort of surging electricity but yeah the answer to your original question is i would say hero by nickelback is my favorite spider-man song as much as nickelback love to get they, they get shat on by po- popular media um, and have been so for years now. Uh, I would say they're my favourite. That does mean I'm now going to put Hero at the end of every podcast that Excellent. plays out. <laughs> well, Cameron, uh, next week we're going to be talking about um, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yes. The original. Woo! Um, are, you look- are you looking forward to Absolutely. That? I love that movie. I absolutely love that movie. I'm looking forward to dive back in and seeing what, what things I, I still love and what what moments really stick out to me is terrible, if there is any. Such as, one that does come to mind is Willem Dafoe saying, I can't, uh, when, <laughs> when the mask is sitting on the chair in Osborne's mansion. Um, but yes. I think I think the things that are going to have aged most po- uh, poorly on that film are the Green Goblin costume and the Screen Goblin pretending to be an old woman in a burning building. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what was he thinking? But we'll get into, uh, yeah, that, yeah. into more of that next yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, Cameron. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, cheers for having um, me on. You know, well, you're going to be with me for how many films have we got? Eight or nine? One, something yeah, like that? yeah, there's a few. It, uh, a fair few films for, uh, moving forward. Uh, please rate and subscribe or whatever you do on podcasts. I don't know. I didn't bother to write a script for this. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and now I'm going to play a little bit of Nickelback. See you next week.